Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the Word. God bless you. All right, so I actually felt God tell me to preach on the Ten Commandments today. Um, and he gave me this word about a month or so ago, maybe a couple months ago. It's really been stirring in my spirit. And right when God told me, I'm like, well, God, I stand for rule number two, which is have fun. And then there's the Ten Commandments, and you're trying to shut down my fun. What in the actual heck? I'm arguing with the Lord. And then as he usually does, he revealed that that is not true, that you can love Jesus and live in truth and righteousness and have fun, and even more fun doing so. And so we're in the Culture Clash series right now. And we, I mean, if you've been here for more than five weeks, you know that we're a bold church. We talk about things that most churches don't talk about. You have a woman preacher today, which also doesn't happen very often if you came from another church. Um, But we are the type of church that discipleship is so important And the truth in the word of God is so important to us that, yes, we got a thousand people. We didn't. I'm sorry. The Lord did. A thousand people got saved on Easter Sunday and through our hero production, which is absolutely incredible. But we've decided to be the church that doesn't leave it there. We've decided to be the church that disciples. So then the very next week after all of that goes down, we're talking about culture (laughs) and we're talking about finances, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and we're talking about the things that this church has been built on. And Pastor Jürgen and Leanne will tell you when they first came to San Diego that they said, don't plant a church that moves in the Holy Spirit. It won't be very big. Don't plant a church that has women preachers. It won't be very big. Don't plant a church that talks about money. It won't be very big. Well, here we are today, and this is one of six campuses. (laughs) So when you preach the Word of God, the courageous people join with you. And they stand with you. And when times and seasons like COVID come along, you find out who's really there with you. You find out who really believes the word of God, who really is willing to be the courageous ones. And as I asked God, why are you having me preach on the Ten Commandments? He really showed me it's because evil prevails so much in our world at this time. And that's not a secret. And that's not, you know, that wasn't just because of COVID, but it is, it has become, evil has become disguised as good. And that's the most dangerous part about the season that we live in. Because the things that the people have evil intentions are saying are good, and they're getting labeled the ones that want to help you and care about you. But those are the actually the ones that don't. And the ones who actually want to help you and love you are us, and we're the ones, the Christians, getting blamed for being the judgmental, evil, mean ones. And it's so backwards. It's so of the enemy. And so if we don't take the Ten Commandments seriously and preach the word of God, because if you ask me the culture of awaken, all I have to do is point to the Ten Commandments. Everything's in there. I'm like, this this could define, if every healthy church stood on this, this could define a healthy church. 
And did you know when the shooting in Columbine happened a few years ago, a decade ago, it was right after they took the Ten Commandments out of the school. And as we see the Word of God taken out of schools, taken out of places, taken watered down in churches, is when the enemy gains territory. And if you read all throughout the Old Testament, you can find that when territory was withheld, when they were trying to gain territory, when it was withheld, it was due to disobedience. And so I believe that making a stand and being obedient to what God has called us to is what is going to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth in this day. So the title of this message is Check Yourself Before You Wreck Yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. How many of you thought that that was a better version than my husband always tries to do? Thank you. You want to come up and have a competition? No, just kidding. We don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. There's some young people up there making total fun of me. It's okay. I am totally almost 40 and totally irrelevant to your age. But I still have something to say. (laughs) I saw you. Okay. This message, if there's kids in here around point number six, you might want to take them to kids' church. Gets a little bit sticky. It's right there. So... And, and we are a free church. We, we are a church that is fresh, real, and powerful. And so you will hear the truth in the word of God spoken, but it will be from a reference in a place of this is how you get freedom in your life. And the best way that I could think of it is my husband and I moved into a new home and we have 11 acres now. And we also have a little dog. And there's also coyotes all around. And so the first couple of months, it, and actually I've never seen one, but I hear about them all the time. I'm like... What is happening? Everyone keeps talking about coyotes and I still haven't seen one, thank the Lord. I think his hand of protection obviously is on my property. (laughs) But I was stressing out when we first moved in. You can ask my husband, it was driving him bonkers. I'm like, get this, oh, I bought this thing online. It's an invisible fence and you have to dig it under the ground like a few feet and put the wire all around the perimeter. And I bought this one that would keep the dog within an acre of the 11 acres. And I said, babe, I need you to put this in the ground. I need you to put this around so that Mango, our dog, doesn't get eaten by a coyote. And he's like, I am not doing that. You're crazy. Our dog is just fine. It's her fault if she gets eaten by a coyote. Could you believe he said that? (laughs) Yes, I could. It's Dr. Matt. Um... So he said, you can hire someone to do that. (laughs) And then I didn't do it. I was like, all right. But what I realized is is God was dealing with me in this this spirit of fear that I was tormenting with. And I didn't realize. I thought I was just being a responsible dog mom. But I was being tormented because every day I was yelling at someone. I was stressed about someone opening the door, let the dog out. I was throat punching my husband. Not really. (laughs) Fivefold ministry. Um, But I realized, God's like, Kayla, there's a fence around your property that keeps the evil things out. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're right, God. 
That's so practical, thank you. But it was the best way that I could think about the Ten Commandments, being this fence, this boundary around the property of our life in order to protect us so that we can have freedom. And so if we can live by these so-called restrictions, but they're not, commandments, not suggestions, they're not multiple choice, if we can live by the Ten Commandments, we can see the blessing of God on our life and see freedom in every area of our life. So all that to say is nobody's perfect. We are all humans. We all make mistakes. We all have sinned in our life at one time or another. The only perfect person to ever walk planet Earth is Jesus Christ. And so in this message, the goal of it is, it says in Psalms, uh, sorry, flip the page, Psalms, 139, 23. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And we are not trying to bring a message of condemnation, but what I want to do is usher the Holy Spirit in to bring convictions in areas and shine lights on areas in your heart and in your life that maybe God's trying to reveal to you, that maybe you tried to hide or tried to push away or tried to excuse. My daughter came running into me a couple months ago with her cap that fell off her tooth. And she's freaking out. Mom, my cap fell off. What do I do? Oh my gosh, I'm freaking out. And I'm like, oh, okay, let me look in there. And I look in there. Sure enough, there's a huge cavity in the back of her mouth, like half of her tooth was gone. And then in there, there was all this black, gross, smelly stuff. It was disgusting. And I was like, Micah, brush your flipping teeth. But what I discovered is I had no idea that this cavity was disgusting and dirty because it had a cap on it this whole time so that it wouldn't reveal what was actually in the tooth. And just like that, in the cavities of our hearts, because of past things that have happened or sin has happened, we try to cover it and we try to say, that never happened. Well, yes, it did. And it actually has a cavity and it actually is yucky and smelly and everyone can smell you but you just need to take the cap off, clean it up a little, and get on with your life. <laughs> and then you say, well, aren't the, old aren't the Ten Commandments from the Old Testament? Well, yes, they were given in the Old Testament, but you can also find them talked about through Jesus and his disciples. And if you read in Matthew 5, 17, it says this, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, which we're all still here, so it has not disappeared. So until then, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commandments and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. We are great in the kingdom of heaven. So uh, let's get into this. Freedom is found when we can learn to live with these guardrails around our life that God put in place because he knows the human heart. All right, the Ten Commandments. Here we go. And I'm going to mess you up a little bit, and I'm going to start with number 10 and work backwards. So are you guys ready? Are you nervous? Anyone nervous? I am. I'm nervous. All right, cool. You're not? I won't be then. 
Number 10, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything, for that matter, that belongs to your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Everyone is your neighbor. And what things to not covet from those everyones is those anythings. Don't covet anything from anyone. Don't be jealous of anyone or anything that they have. I don't know if some of you saw the Vision Builders testimony that we showed a couple of weeks ago from the beautiful Hepfer family. God called them to give away their home that they were living in, and they didn't know why, and they, they did that. They were obedient to the Lord. And in the Vision Builders testimony, they talked about how God blessed them with their new, incredible, amazing, beautiful home in Rancho Santa Fe. And I know there was people in this room that were tweaked by that. I know there are people in this room that's like, why are they bragging about that? Well, from a different perspective, have you ever asked the question of what have they sown to get the incredible fruit in their life? What, what have they sacrificed in order for God's hand to move on their life? And I know that if that tweaked you, there is a smidgen or maybe more than a smidgen of covetousness in your heart that needs to be dealt with. And the reason is because God is no respecter of persons. God respects principles, and he outlines his principles very clearly in his word. What you sow, that you will reap. And not only reap, but reap tenfold, a hundredfold. And I was um, actually, I told the last service, so I'll tell you guys too, because it's pretty cool. And if you get jealous, you know, you might want to come to the altar. I want to preface this with, this could also happen in your life. And we share, I, I'm getting your hearts ready because we're about to go into vision builder season. And this is a season where we will be talking about the miracles and the testimonies of God's goodness. And territory is taken in this house. People get blessed with homes supernaturally. People get financial blessings supernaturally. God has placed a spirit of provision over this house because we're taking territory for the kingdom of God. And so this week, I got a phone call, and it was a phone call from Yuma, and I didn't recognize the phone number. And I answered the phone randomly, which I never do when I don't recognize the phone number. And the woman said, is this Michaela Hubbard? And I said, it sure is. And I was trying to end the phone call quite fast because I already thought it was a sales call. Yes, it is. And she's like, oh, okay, well, do you remember about um, nine years ago when you were going to buy a house in Yuma, and you ended up buying a different one? And I'm like, yes, I remember that. And she said, and I thought she was about to sell me some, like, warranty thing or insurance. She's like, well, I'm from this title company, and actually, you guys put a deposit down for that house, and I wanted to know if I could actually send it back to you. And I was like, okay, sure. And she goes, yeah, it's actually in the amount of $10,000. $10,000? What? And I'm like, she, she goes, literally, I am going to get fired from my job. I'm, I'm in trouble from my supervisor if I don't get this money off of our accounting and back into your rightful hands. And she said, can I have your address? I need to overnight it immediately. And I'm like, yes, you may. <laughs> uh, yes? Do I need to pray about this? But it was so amazing because my husband and I, are in a massive season of faith and stretching financially right now. God blessed us with a miracle home, but how many of you know there's a process and that miracle home has bills and that miracle home has a pool and that miracle home has 11 acres and that miracle home needs people to keep things up. 
And so we, we are financially stressed. And we're starting a wedding business there. And there's all sorts of things going on. We are stretching our faith. And in a time of stretching, when God comes through and says, I think you're going to need this, and takes it and brings it back into our account, when we had it held up for that many years, who would have known? But I also can tell you, we have been faithful tithers in this house since day one. I can also tell you, anytime there's an opportunity to give an offering, we are giving. I can tell you, I shouldn't tell you now, because my husband will probably be kind of upset, but I gave way more of that, way more than $10,000 in breakthrough offerings in order to get the miracle home. He was believing for it, and I was acting in faith, going, give, 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 and then we got the house. Sorry, babe. Not sorry. So what happens is jealousy destroys joy and comparison is from the devil. And I can tell you this because I used to come from a place and I would see people doing things that I would want to do. I would watch my fellow campus pastors and friends get up and be amazing and do things. And in my spirit, I would be like, I want to be that good. And I would be mad about it. And I would even call Pastor Leanne, and this is one thing that I've always been good at. I never would pretend that something was okay. I've always been very transparent. And I call her, I'd be like, Pastor Leanne, I need to be a good preacher. Can you help me? I want to be like Lisa Bevere. I want to be like Wendy Press. She's such a powerhouse. I want to be like you, Pastor Leanne. Oh, actually, Pastor Becky's message last week was amazing. Can I be like her? And she literally was like, okay, Ray, I want you to be like you. I don't want you to be anybody else. And God made each and every one of us for a calling and a purpose that is unique and individual to yourself. You can glean and take and implement things that you see, but don't let it bring you down and out and in a bitter spirit. Let it make you better. Let it inspire you. When you see something that someone has that you like and you aspire for, then be inspired by it. Don't be covetous. Amen? And I see people looking at those things without looking at what, the, what has been sown in order to reap those things. If you see something that's amazing that someone has accomplished or some, somebody has obtained, look at what they've sown. Look at what God's called them to, to give in order to get that. And I was with Lisa Bevere this past weekend, like my husband said, and I've always aspired, you know, been inspired by her as a pastor and a preacher, and she's incredible. But I got to know her a little bit better over the years, and just in talking to her, I've gotten to discover what her and her husband have actually sown in order to reap the authority that they have and what they carry in the blessing that's on their life. And it was such a good reminder, even to me, when I see someone that has something, it's not like it just dropped into their lap and they're sitting there. They had to be obedient to what God called them to do in every single moment that God spoke to them. Okay, next, moving on to number nine. We have not gotten very far. <laughs> I really liked that point. I don't know. You shall not lie. Wait, that's not right. Oh, yeah. 
You shall not lie. Sorry. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor is what the Bible says. Don't lie. The Bible says that there are little foxes. And I feel like in this area, this is an area that is so easy to oversee because you've justified it and you said, well, I didn't want to hurt their feelings, so I lied. Um, I didn't feel good. I didn't want to go to that thing, so I lied or whatever. Because this area, and I know every Christian tries to be upstanding in this area, but we have to watch out for the little foxes because it says in Song of Psalms 2.15, catch for us the little foxes. The little foxes that ruin the vineyard are vineyards that are in bloom. See, what happens is you will see fruit in your life and all these incredible blessings of God because all this amazing seed that you've sown. And what we do is we destroy the fruit with our lies. We, we literally pluck the fruit out of our own lives when we lie. And I'm talking about lying to ourselves. I'm talking about lying to other people. I'm talking about lying when you're trying to hide something that you don't want to reveal to people. See, this church is fresh, real, and powerful. And the expectation is that you can bring your realness, your truthfulness, your, your vulnerability to any minister or leader in this church. And you can lay it out and expect to get prayed for, expect to get covered, and expect to get breakthrough. So lying is going to destroy your life. And I wanted to, um, let's see, James 1.8 says this, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And that was so... Um, powerfully portrayed in the hero production when Judas, Judas, one of Jesus' disciples, actually said something to Jesus, said he was with him, said he would follow him, said he would be, have his back all the days of his life. And, and then on the side, he was a sellout. He was a double-minded man. He lied. He was a liar. And what ended up happening, it destroyed him on the inside, so he took his own life. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. All right, moving on to number eight. Y'all still with me? I hope the people leaving are just going to the bathroom. <laughs> I can't not be real. I'm sorry. Might get in trouble for that later. Number eight. You shall not steal. And as I was thinking about this one, what is the opposite of stealing? It's giving. And I'm only going to touch on this because I've, we've already had an offering message and I've already told you about tithing and things. But when we aren't tithing, we are stealing from what God already owns. We are not giving back to God what he already owns. And the surest way to prevent yourself from being a stealer, because I don't think I'm sitting in a room full of people who are walking next door to their neighbor's house and stealing their TV. I'm not talking about that kind of stealing. And if you did do that, we have a ministry team afterwards that is totally here for you. <laughs> but when we don't bring our tithes into the storehouse and return back to God that 10% that already belongs to him, then we are stealing from God. And I know it's harsh to look at it that way, but it's the truth. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 8, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. So my encouragement is not to steal from God or the person next to you that's being blessed by God because they sowed. Amen. You will sow, you will reap what you sow, not what you steal. You can't 
Reap what you seal. You can reap what you sow. All right, number seven. You shall not commit adultery. This is the kids to kids church part, unless they don't understand words yet. (laughs) Genesis 2.24 says this. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. They become one flesh. Covenant marriage is... Covenant marriage, as presented in scripture, is not something to be taken lightly, but makes up the foundation for a family, the community, and the bedrock of a healthy society. And there's a reason why God hates adultery. There's a reason why, because it destroys families, it destroys people's souls and their hearts and brings so much pain and hurt. And even to take it a step farther and and talk about this, because the spirit of lust is so prevalent this day and age. And I wanna talk about this because we have answers for you. If, if you're in here and you're a man and you're addicted and have a porn addiction, the men's prayer group has answers for you. The men's prayer group would pray for you, bust demons off, help you, walk through it with you, and love you all at the same time. But these are the things we have to talk about because the world doesn't care. They'll, they'll put it right in front of your face. I mean, you should see the amount of Instagrams thingies my husband gets DM'd. And I'm like, what again? Like the world is shoving it in your face. And if the church doesn't talk about it, then people are succumbed to the tactics of the enemy and then they're afraid to talk about it because they're shamed. But this isn't a place, we, we don't wanna let you carry that shame. We don't want you to sh- carry that guilt because we know if you're caught up in this, you can be set free from it, you can be forgiven from it and you can have an incredible marriage. And we firmly believe this as we just had incredible testimony in this area from a, a, a couple in our church that's actually really close to my husband and I. And they came to us two years ago and this all came out in the light. And how many of you know when something is in the darkness and light is shown on it, then that's when God can start to move in it. And it all came out into the light. And we were like, oh dear Jesus, but also thank you Lord for bringing this to the light. And thank God for our church and our recovery program because they went through it. And just a couple weeks ago, we were able to do a vow renewal for them. And they renewed their vows. And there was one point, she, she, she wrote her own vows and it was so moving because she said there was one point like about a year ago in this whole journey where she was like, I just wish you would have died. It was so hurtful and so painful. But how many of you know he could get set free from an addiction, but then she had all this bitterness and anger and hurt and pain in her heart that she then had to get healed from. And so they both had to go on a healing journey. But it was the most beautiful thing to see them renew their vows and stand before each other and the Lord and say, I surrender this marriage to you. And they have faith in God that they can have an even better marriage than they had before. Thank God. Thank God. All right, number six. Got that one done. (laughs) You shall not murder. You shall not murder. So I want to touch on the subject that that is a really recent. This is one of the areas where the enemy just creeps in so sneakily. And, you know, abortion is already legal. So that's already, like, wow, like that's done. And if you're here and you've experienced abortion before and you had to make a decision and you did and you didn't know or whatever it is, there's freedom for you, there's forgiveness for you. And I'm not talking 
about a past situation. But if we don't stand for truth in this area, the enemy just keeps gaining territory. A couple weeks ago, a bill ended up on our governor's desk to sign AB 2223, and a bunch of our pastors went to pray at the Capitol to oppose this bill. But the bill basically says that a baby can be murdered up to four weeks, and the mother can, won't be persecuted or questioned or anything for it. And they've wrapped it up in this pretty little bow to make it look like it's, you know, pro-choice. And they've wrapped it up in this pretty little bow to make sure it makes the women feel like they have power and they can make their own choices and they, it's, it's better for the women. Well, who says that a baby that's four weeks in one day's life is not as important as the woman's life? Who gets to decide that? Who gets to decide that? Not you or me. God gets to decide when life starts. And life starts in the womb. It doesn't start at four weeks and one day. I don't even see that in the Bible. I don't, I don't see that in the Bible. And so the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And if we don't stand for these things, and if we're too afraid to talk about them, then these areas will continue to prevail. And the most disheartening thing is I was just talking to one of my friends yesterday who, who is in, very involved in, in this, um, this whole area. And she said that the pro-choice organizations are actually way more organized and way more powerful, and they have way more money than the pro-life organizations. We have to step up. The church, this is why the church exists. And this is, this is in the Bible. And then, you know, you hear about all these mass shootings and then, you know, we need to take away gun rights and firearm rights and all these things. Well, I, the gun, last time I checked, the gun doesn't have legs and a heart and it just wake up one day and decide to shoot somebody. It's in the hands of humans who have an evil heart that are using these weapons to make murder happen. So let's stop blaming something that's not. Let's not make something look like something it's not. And this is an area where those little foxes and the enemy just creeps in and then the church just sits there and goes, darn it. We need to be preaching these things and talking about these things. First John, one step further. <laughs> How do we deal with this in our own hearts? So First John says that even, the Bible says, even if you hate someone, you are a murderer. Anyone, 1 John 3, 15, anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. And that's why, that's why Jesus modeled forgiveness. God modeled forgiveness. Jesus modeled forgiveness. And when we are stuck in unforgiveness and hatred, it's like murder. And that's why we are called to not have bitterness, anger, unforgiveness living in our hearts because of what it causes and the fruit that it creates. Amen? All right. Number five, honor. The rest is kind of like a little more chill in case you were thinking about getting up and leaving. <laughs> Number five, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord God, the Lord your God has given you. So this is the first commandment that actually is combined with a promise. So honor your father and mother so that you may live long. And I was thinking about this in my own life because 
I've learned to honor my father and mother even when it was the most difficult people to honor. And we all, what we don't realize is that our parents who may have done wrong to us were raised by parents who did wrong to them. We were raised to parents who did wrong to them. All right, but nobody's perfect. So then we end, we're here, and then we expect, what the heck, why do I have all these issues? Well, generational curses come through, and then we're standing here being mad at our father and mother and not honoring them because they didn't raise us how we thought that we should be raised. And even yesterday, I had to extend massive forgiveness to my own dad. He's dysfunctional and, had, and is dealing with his own issues, but I look at the way he was parented, and I have to look beyond that and beyond that. I can't just look at a hurt man who's taking it out on me. I have to honor him for doing the best that he could and the best that he can with what he's got to be my dad. And so if we can learn this, I feel if we can learn to honor our mother and father, even when they don't deserve it, then we can do that when life happens. When we feel dishonored in our friendships, when we feel dishonored in our marriages, if we've already figured out how to honor mom and dad, we can figure out how to honor anyone else. Amen. Number four. Remember the Sabbath, and remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You're all in church, so I'm preaching to the choir. Good job, pat on the back. Nobody's sinning here in this area. But what I want to talk about, so then it goes on to say, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. If time off for God is if time off is good enough for God, it can be good enough for us. And there's many, if you're that A-type personality and you're a driver and you're trying to get things done and you're making, you're an entrepreneur and you're working day and night trying to create something, that something is gonna be way less fruitful if you don't take the time to rest. If you don't take the time to put what's important first, which is God, family, marriage, and the kingdom, being in church then all those other things will be way less fruitful than they could have been, would have been hadn't you taken that seventh day to relax and serve God. And some people say, well, I can't just get it all done in six days. I'm sorry. I, I need seven days. Well, then you're trying to do too much. Even God knew when he was finished. Even God knew when it was time for a break. And if he can do it, we can do it. And this is a good reminder that we have control over our calendar. Everything that's on your calendar that you committed to and said yes to, despite, I mean, not talking about if an emergency comes up. And I've learned this in my own life because I would, I would think, oh, I'll be great. I can do all that next week. And Monday would come and I would look at it and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do all this. Cancel this, cancel that. I don't need to do that. And it got to a point where it was like, Kayla, you're trying to do too much. Like, why are you committing to so many things? If you're stretched, you need to take a break. There are seasons. There are seasons where you can stretch, and there's more other seasons where you rest. There are seasons of life when you have little kids, and then they get older, and you have a little more capacity to do more things. But we have to recognize the season we're in and be sensitive to what we put on our calendar, and then let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you said yes to serve on a Sunday, but you don't feel like it, I would encourage you. Stand true to what 
your commitment was. Do it even though you don't feel like it. And I can tell you, even running Cherish Nights on Thursday night, amen, was it awesome? Yes, amen. It was amazing. But then I hopped on a flight on Friday morning. And then I hopped on a flight and came home last night and I landed at 10 p.m. And then I woke up at 5 a.m. this morning to be here. And was it easy? No. But I, last week I had to make the decision because I considered backing out of going on the trip to Phoenix because I knew what was on my plate. And God was like, no, you committed to that. You're going to do that. And because I surrendered that, God, I feel great, honestly. Like God has had his hand a blessing on the whole week because I decided to say, okay, I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. And I'm going to stand true to my commitment. And then I'm going to go home and get a massage. And rest like the Bible says. What about you? What did you do? I'm just kidding. Actually, actually, bragging moment, he did stay home with the kids while I was gone, and they are alive. I'm here to tell you they survived. All, all three of them and my husband survived with a little bit of help, but they all survived. Okay, number three. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And I want to look at this from the perspective of how are we using the power of the name of Jesus? The Bible says not to use it in vain. But there's also, there's no, there's no power. How does that song go? I always forget. There's no power like the mighty name of Jesus. There's no power like the mighty name of Jesus. And anytime my husband and I are contending for something or believing for something, or we need a miracle, or we need a breakthrough, we are claiming the name of Jesus over that thing. And I feel like Christians back down from this. They don't know their authority. God has given us the authority through Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus to claim over our lives. And so when you go to that thing for prayer, you are saying, in the name of Jesus, I believe. And you speak into the circumstance as though it doesn't exist. Don't speak the problem. Say, in the name of Jesus, my leg is healed. In the name of Jesus, my daughter is saved. In the name of Jesus, my marriage is restored. In the name of Jesus, I am pregnant. In the name of Jesus... God gives us the power to bind and lose things, and that's when we need to use the name of Jesus to honor and glorify him. Number two, you shall not make yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth, beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. See, our God is jealous for our attention, our time, our energy, our hearts, our soul. He is jealous for us. And when things or people get idolized above that, things are out of order. And I can tell you this because I actually got convicted in this area uh, once again. We were sitting at a meeting and Mike Connell was preaching and he is like the demon buster. He's the guy who like, you can't get anything by him really. It's pretty amazing. But I was sitting in a meeting and I was worshiping God and I kept looking up at my ring. And at the time I had just gotten this ring because we were 10 years married and I told my husband, can I have an upgrade? And he said, what? You don't like your original ring? It's so sentimental, it means so much. And I'm like, well, I do love it, but I've been married to you for 10 years, so maybe you can think about it. <laughs> and he thought about it and he got it for me. 
And so I'm worshiping and I'm like, keep staring at my ring. And Jesus, there is no power like the mighty name of Jesus. And then in the presence of Mike Connell, the Lord is like, you are way too obsessed with that ring. And I'm like, that's a good thing. My husband gave it to me. I'm like arguing with God. How many of you know that if you're in an argument with God, he's always right? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, justifying it, but it, it's really pretty and these lights make it sparkly. So I like to look at it more. And then Mike Connell does an altar call and says, if any of you feel, feel something, come forward. There's like 50 people in this meeting, 49 of them go up and I'm the only one sitting there, like a jerk. <laughs> like how dumb can you be, Kayla? Like, and so I'm like sitting there, at least I, I caught on pretty quick. I'm sitting there for like five minutes and I'm like, well, guess I better go get prayer. So I go up and then he starts praying for me and then I start bawling my eyes out. And I'm, that's a sign. There is an issue and God is dealing with it especially when you don't cry that much. I'm crying. And then I go up to my husband afterwards and I'm like, babe, I think I got to sell my ring. And he's like, why don't you pray about it? We'll talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So then I go up to my other friend and I'm like, so this is what God showed me. And I went to the altar. I got prayed for. I'm good now, right? Like trying to justify, like I've got released from this idol basically. And my friend was like, why don't you pray about it? And when someone tells you to pray about something, that usually also means, I agree there is an issue, but I'm trying to tell you in the nice way. <laughs> like it's way better when you get convicted yourself than your friend or your husband telling you. But obviously I wasn't listening very well. So then I did, I went home, I prayed about it. And as soon as God convinced me that I had an issue, I was mad. I'm like, okay, that took way too long for me to realize. So I literally got in my car, took the ring down to the pawn shop and I said, Morris, you have to sell this. And he's like, what? You just got it. And I'm like, nope, I can't explain it to you. You probably won't understand, but here you go. I'm leaving it here. Please sell it. I got to get rid of it. And he's like, whatever. So I literally leave the ring there for like a couple years. It was a while. I don't even remember. It was so long. I actually forgot about it. And I wore my sentimental original ring, which is still very amazing and beautiful. And I love it. And I love you so much. So what happened was, because I know you're all sitting there thinking, well, you still have the ring on your hand. So a couple years go by, and then I think Morris called or something. He's like, hey, I still have your ring here. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went and I picked it up, and I put it still out of fear of the Lord. I put it in my safe at home for like another year. And then I was looking for passports or something one day, and I came across it, and I looked at it. And I am telling you, there was, there was no attachment like I had before. There was a shift in my heart because I knew God dealt with something. And even though I still have it, I can tell you, I don't even look at it during worship. <laughs> but it had become an idol. It had become something I was more obsessed with worshiping than the Lord our God. And there might be something silly in your life, something small, that you're just like, this has taken more attention and priority over my life than God. But let God, let God check yourself before you wreck yourself. 
and bring that to him. And he wants to weed those things out. My husband had to sell his dream car a few years back because God told him to. And was it easy? No. He ended up getting this other car that was super ugly. And I was like, why did you get that car? Like God didn't tell you to sell your car and get an ugly car. He just told you to sell your car. So he drove around this old man, ugly car for like five years. Do you remember that? But he liked it. So. And the one last thing I want to touch on in this part, I am so much trouble, guys, is, is this. And I, ha- yeah, I have to say this, that people can start to idolize pastors, preachers, ministers above God. If you're constantly running to a person instead of running to God in the altar in prayer, there is a problem. Your pastors are human, clearly. Your pastors are humans. And the preacher you watch on TV is inspiring and amazing, but behind that TV screen is a human. God uses humans to bring forth the kingdom of God, but we are not perfect. No human is perfect, as I said. And so be very careful. Social media makes it very easy to idolize things and people that are fake because you can't see what's behind there. You can't see the seed, you can't see the fruit. All you can see is something fake and and it's fake. That's all it is, is fake. And we have to be so careful that we don't let those things get ahead of our relationship with God. And the last one is this, commandment number one. I am the Lord your God, who you brought out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, you shall shall not have any other gods before me. And my question to us this morning is your relationship with God, the number one relationship in your life. Is your default when things are rough, when things are hard, is your default to go to God? Is your worship go to God? When things are good, do you go to God? When things are bad, do you go to God? And if you only go to God when things are bad, then there's a repositioning that needs to take place. And Carrie Underwood, the prophet, sings, Jesus, take the wheel. Is Jesus sitting in the passenger seat while you're driving along thinking you know everything? Maybe. And there's moments in all of our lives where we have to reposition God because it's easy because of the world we live in who has become so evil and full of pain and the enemy can wants to steal, kill, and destroy and deceive us into his ways. So it's easy to let God become the second, third, or fourth priority in our life. And each of us, even speaking to married couples here, if your relationship with God is not your own individual relationship with God, then that is also an area to look at. If the only way you can relate with God is is through relating with your spouse, that is a way. But God wants to have a personal relationship with you and your spouse, individually and personal. And so I want everyone here to close your eyes and bow your heads. I'm gonna give you the opportunity to reposition God in your life or commit your life to God. I know there's people here who have probably given your life to God and it's okay to re-give your life to God multiple times, it's okay. But what you will start to see is your fruit will change. Your fruit will change in your life when you, when you, you know that God has been repositioned to number one when you see the fruit in your life change. And I'm telling you, like I said, nobody is perfect. Everyone here 
has fallen short. We have all done things that we didn't wanna do, but the key, the key to it is bringing it to God and letting God search our hearts. I came into this house 17 years ago and I was a college girl doing things I shouldn't have been doing, hanging out with people I shouldn't have been hanging out with, in cities like Vegas I shouldn't have been going to. And God interrupted my life and I gave my life to him the first Sunday I walked in this place. And I'm telling you, on a process and a journey of continually recommitting my heart to him, I can see incredible fruit and I can see the hand of God on my life. And he wants that for every single person here. So if you're in this place and you need to give your life to God, I'm gonna count to three and I just want you to give me a wave. I'm gonna pray over you. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm gonna pray over you. If you wanna recommit or there's areas of your life that was revealed today to you that you wanna say, I'm sorry, God, I want you to raise your hand as well. So one, two, three. Let me see your hands lifted. Lift your hands. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's at least 10 hands. I know there's more. There's a whole bunch up here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Could I have everyone stand to your feet? Because there's so many of you, I want to do something right now. I want to have, if you raise your hand in this place, I want to see if you will make your way down to this altar. Because when you make a stand for God, listen, I just made a stand for God. I put myself out there. If I can do it, you can do it. If you raise your hand, can you come make your way to this altar? Don't be afraid. All we wanna do is pray for you. Thank you. Thank you for your obedience and listening to the Lord. Thank you. If I can have everyone stretch your hands out to anyone here on the altar and everyone repeat after me this prayer. Let's just keep clapping as more people come down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So amazing. There's a party in heaven. Even when one person returns to the Father, there's a party in heaven. Look at this altar, so beautiful, so good. All right, let's pray. Everyone, everyone in the room with me, dear God, thank you for your salvation. I pray for forgiveness. I pray that you intervene in my life. I thank you, Lord, for your presence in my life. And I know the best days are ahead of me. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.